Welcome to Down Camp Road. We'll share a piece of scripture with a reflection and prayer along with a story about the camp experience. Here's our camp community in audio. Tell me about a time when you had big news to share. Well, actually you were there because we had just gotten engaged. Um, I don't know if you remember that. (laughs) Remember it a little, yeah. (laughs) We had just gotten engaged, and we were on the North Shore, and we went to a restaurant for dinner called the New Scenic Cafe. That's one of my favorite restaurants. Yeah, it's a nice one, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, We went to this restaurant, and we were ordering our meal, and I just wanted to shout at the waiter that we had just gotten engaged because I was so excited and I wanted to tell someone. And it appeared that everyone else in the restaurant was just eating dinner as they always do without any thought that the world had just shifted and we were now engaged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was that unsatisfying? Yeah, of course it was. I wanted everyone to celebrate with us. They did have a guest book. Do you remember that? Yeah. When they bring out your bill, they bring out like a guest book. So we were able to write in the guest book that we had just gotten engaged and that this was the perfect place to sh- celebrate our celebration. Yeah. Do you think anybody read that in the guest book? I hope so. And celebrated for you? <laughs> I hope so. After dinner, we went back to the cabin and we were able to call all of our friends and family who were much more excited about our news yeah. than the waiter Instead at the restaurant. Instead of random strangers? Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't wait. I had to tell somebody. When did you receive news that would change your life forever? And who did you tell? I'm Mary-Kate from Verona, and this is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38 and 46 to 55. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on to you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him, from generation to generation. 
He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud of their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. That's part of Mary's song. And I wanted to read it out loud because I think it's so powerful. And I wanted to share a little context about Mary before we talk about her words and my story. Most people know the story of Mary. You know, she becomes pregnant as a virgin. An angel comes down to share the good news. She births the Son of God in a stable on Christmas. But most people don't know, however, the depth of who this woman was. Mary was likely very young when she carried Jesus, maybe even under 13. She was a small Jewish peasant girl from a small town. And on top of that, she becomes pregnant out of wedlock. So it wouldn't have been crazy for her story to end right there. But she was lucky that she wasn't stoned to death. The story continues, recounting that the angel Gabriel comes to her and tells her that she will give birth to Jesus, that he will be king that he will be son of God. She doesn't cower or complain about this huge responsibility. She takes it with pride. Then she walks nearly 80 miles from her home in Nazareth to a census town of Bethlehem while pregnant. She's away from home, has only Joseph by her side, doesn't even have proper shelter, but she gives birth nonetheless. She raises Jesus, she cares for him and protects him. Mary's song is so powerful and bold that it has been censored and even banned by churches of the past for a message too radical and too dangerous that the people in power in the church felt threatened by it. Mary was never quiet about justice or righteousness. She is spreading a message here that God is a force for equity and love. God is a force that raises up the poor and the oppressed instead of praising the rich and the powerful. She is called at a young age to be the woman to bring Jesus into the world. And later, this is the same message Jesus dedicates his life to teaching. And I believe that Mary makes a wonderful role model. God isn't asking me to carry a child that will become the earth's savior, but I do believe that God calls on all of us of all ages, nationalities, and genders to make the world a better place, and that it's our responsibility to listen. My own passion in life is music, and that is where I feel called to fight for the equity and opportunity that Mary's song praises and that Jesus preached. Band became everything to me over the course of my education, and I know it does so for many students who learn to play instruments. It gave me friends, role models, and a community. It was an outlet for creativity. It taught me how to practice and get better at almost anything. It taught me how to be more confident in myself. I couldn't imagine my life without music, but I also couldn't help but notice all the kids who didn't get those same experiences that I did. I'm no Mary, but the stars aligned at this moment, and I definitely felt called to make a difference, even though I knew it would probably be small and that the journey would be hard. There are so many reasons a student never joins music class or ensemble. One of the biggest is the economic barrier, and one of the biggest monetary challenges is the instrument itself. Renting or buying new instruments costs hundreds of dollars, but I believe it doesn't have to be that way. I worked throughout my junior and senior year of high school to reach out to my community and change this disparity in our music education system. 
I had a lot going on, a part-time job, drum major of our marching band, sports, family, extracurriculars. I wasn't sure where to start. I had a hard time getting support from the people who felt like there wasn't a problem and also the ones who felt like there wasn't a solution. But once I embarked on this project, I felt like it was too important to give up on. I collected instruments from people who were no longer using them, and I took in anything I could get my hands on. From new instruments to old, dinged-up ones. I even got a set of bagpipes donated to me, and side note, I'm terrible at the bagpipes. I don't have lungs big enough. (laughs) I learned how to repair some myself, as well as organized a concert of students throughout the district that I hope becomes an annual event, where we collected donations and raised a few thousand dollars to support students who want to pursue music, but otherwise didn't have access. It's just a small impact, but it's one important step. I now feel like making that difference is possible. I'm so excited to be a music teacher someday because I hope I can reach the students who need it the most, and that is usually the students that face the most barriers. I may still be a young girl, but so is Mary, and I definitely feel called to make a difference in the world. And as Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. How does an instrument go from being nowhere and unused um, to having a new home and having a new uh, person to love and care for it? Yeah, I think that when it really comes down to it, like a lot of people do band in school, maybe for one year or five years, but the people who actually like make something out of playing instruments Uh, is a lot smaller than the amount of people who get an instrument in fifth grade and join band. So I find that there's a lot of people out there who just had instruments tucked away that maybe they got a better instrument at some point in their career and used that one more often, or maybe they just weren't playing at all anymore and they just had it kind of laying around. And instruments are one of those things that like they don't make millions of them they're expensive and they're kind of scarce so having one that you're not playing could easily become that child who can't afford to join band otherwise i love that i love that especially because there's so many benefits to being part of a music program even if you do not pursue it past eighth grade or wherever (laughs) yes definitely Epiphany, what do you think is the hardest part for you to saying yes to your call? I think that in any sort of growth or activism or trying to make the world a better place, you have to cope with the idea that you're never going to get 100%. And we're never going to be able to help 100% of kids join band for whatever reason it may be. Not enough instruments, not family support, that kind of stuff. And you have to be able to push past that feeling of we can't have it perfect and know that making a small change is still better than no change. And small changes add up. So that's where the change really happens. So how do you, how do you stay encouraged when, when your impact is feeling small? I think 
remembering that if you look at it in a big picture, one person seems small, but if you look at it like one-on-one -on -one and you actually engage with a person, like impacting one person's life can also be huge to them. So it may feel small looking at it from one perspective, but if you like flip that and look at it from the perspective of an individual being a person and their life being their entire life, then that one person is a huge impact in that way. Have you had times where um, you felt like maybe how Mary felt, am I the right person for this? Have you run into those instances? I think everyone kind of feels that sense of imposter syndrome of like, why would it be me? Why I don't have this resource or this ability. I can't make everything happen myself. So why should it be me? But to me, it just feels really important and really good to see music being given to kids. And I know how it impacted me when I was given music in school and knowing that I can help even one person, I'm doing it more almost for me even than for the world. I love that you also learned how to repair instruments. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, that was a super fun project. Uh, there was a student teacher in my band classroom at the time who had taken a bunch of instrument repair classes in school just right before he was placed with us. And he helped teach me how to like take apart a saxophone and clean everything and how to put it back together and how to adjust keys, like if something isn't sealing properly. And I also worked really closely with um, my saxophone teacher who was the owner of the instrument shop in Fond du Lac, his name was Dan. And he had been fixing instruments for years and years and years and was had a lot of important skills to give to me on how to clean and help do small repairs on things that, so we didn't have to spend money having someone fix something that we could do ourselves. Epiphany, what would you say to somebody who, um, their their instrument has sat on the shelf for years and then the the kind of um, follow-up metaphor to that is what would you say to somebody whose faith has sat, sat on the shelf for years i like that um connection i think that it's never too late to find that passion again in yourself and music just like faith can be something that can give you that push forward that you might be needing in your life or something to look forward to, something to make you feel like you're putting out into the world just as much as you're taking in. And along those same lines, advice you have for people who need to take that first step, like if, if you're looking at that um, project and it's feeling hard, how do you take the first step of moving towards your, your call? The first step was definitely the hardest. After I had the idea, I identified the problem and I knew what I wanted to do to make a difference in the world and to hopefully fix that problem in some respect. Then coming up with how I was actually going to do that and then seeking out 
the answers for how to like physically be doing the and the <laughs> how to physically do the project was definitely the hardest part and my first steps were just reaching out to other people so I had to acknowledge that there was no way for me to do that on my own I had to find people and develop a community and a network that everyone brought something different to the table. I had people working inside the school district who were helping organize that side, people working in music stores, retired band directors collecting instruments. I had a whole gambit of team that was helping me and bringing one thing or the other to the project. So the biggest step was just reaching out and then finding one person led to the, the next person led to the next person. That instrument on the shelf, whether it be you playing it and making music and putting that into the world, or you handing it down to someone who could begin to learn that instrument and change their lives and have them put that music into the world is a beautiful thing. And instruments, just like faith, when they're they're sitting and they're not being used. They just become objects. But when you put that life into it with your own spirit, then it can become something that brings joy and happiness and motivation to a lot of people and not just yourself. I'm Tiffany from North St. Paul, Minnesota, igniter of the first campfire. Spark within each of us a desire to join you in creating a more just and peaceful world. Help us to choose wise leaders when we follow and give us strength and willingness to lead when it is needed. Be especially with those leaders who are hesitant to lead, especially young leaders who think it's not yet their time. Just like Mary's first instinct was fear, confusion, and even doubt when she learned of your plan, we humans want to draw close to the warm fire of comfort and status quo. Push us, God. Remind us that you are always there, and you will provide what we need to lead. Send our leaders your spirit of confidence to listen to new ideas, your spirit of humility to recognize their gifts and the gifts of those around them and your spirit of wisdom to speak creatively and act in accordance with your will. In the strong and merciful name of Jesus, amen. This story comes from Owen from Verona. One leader who stood out to me would be Anke. Although all the leaders were great, Anke didn't feel like a leader at all. He felt more like a friend to me, and I'm assuming that many others felt that way. He would always know how to have fun, but also make sure that we were being responsible at the same time. I had him two years ago in Juniper Cabin, and it was super fun. Also, he was talented at the games we would play nightly. However, if you disturbed his sleep during recharge, he would try extra hard at the camp games at night. I'm sure we are all sad that he is leaving, but I'm happy for the experiences while he was here. 
thank you to the voices that we heard today. MK from Verona, camp fanatic, future staff member of Summer Staff 2022. Epiphany from Fond du Lac, on the saxophone, humble humor and a thoughtful leader. Tiffany from St. Paul, camp staff alumni, natural teacher, and the one who taught us how to ring the bell, act as the voice of reason, sell cookie sandwiches, and ring the bell. Owen from Verona, part of the crew that makes our summer special, a week six camper. 